morning. Morning, Freedom Church. It's so awesome to see everybody here. We have a couple housekeeping things that we're going to do. We didn't do the creed yet, right? I've been in here all morning. So we're going to do the creed and our memory verse. So if you guys wouldn't mind standing up, be great. Even if you do mind, Bill, just stand. Okay. All right. So let's start with uh, let's start with our memory verse, uh, or the creed. Or we'll start with the memory verse. Ah, uh, let's go to no. All right, uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Who knows this one by heart? Come on, this is such a great passage. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct or make your path straight. See, that's how I remember it. Direct your paths. So so that's great. Um, It's good for us to, to remember that for sure. If we trust in the Lord with everything. All right, let's do our creed. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, when we do the creed, if you have any questions about it, because this is the, we've, we've had some questions about some of the, the little details in this, please, you know, we're happy to talk to anybody about it and go over it. There's, some, there's uh, uh, a couple things in there that might be, I don't know, maybe a, a little esoteric, so we can go through it. But let's, uh, let's just go through it. Um, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through Him, all things were made. For us and for our salvation, He came down from heaven, He was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who together with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. All right. All right, you guys can sit or stand if you want to try and intimidate up here. Um, Okay, so we've been going through Proverbs all throughout the summer, and um, so this is my last week up here, for whoever knows how long. So this is, uh, so I'm going to try and like, for me, I'm going to sum, like summarize the, the, the Proverbs that I've dealt with, actually throughout the whole Proverbs, really. This is kind of a summary of, of all of the Proverbs. It's great that it's at the end, it's the last chapter of Proverbs, it's Proverbs 31. It's called the woman of valor. That's how we would know it. You know, we, we, the, the first uh, verses, one through nine, is a, it's, it's a mother, actually it would be a queen mother, telling her king son, you know, some things to, 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 uh, to keep himself doing the right thing. And so we'll go through that a little bit. Before we get into that, let's, uh, let's lift this up. Let's lift this up. All right, Lord. I praise you. I thank you so much, Lord God, for um, 
for the time of worship that we can get our get our uh, our minds and our hearts in the right place to hear from you today. I pray God that you would work in this body and work in your church as a whole. That we would all be um, be representing you well. We'd be honoring you, and we would be um, we would just be willing to just give ourselves to you completely, Lord. And that your purpose would be would be um, achieved in our lives, in our personal lives, and in the, the life of your church. So I praise you, Father. I pray your blessing on this morning, and uh, that uh, there would be no distraction. That we could all just gain a little bit uh, more wisdom, maybe a maybe a little little some practical thing that that would cause us to take another step, a little bit closer to the image of you. So I praise you, Father. I thank you and lift this up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so Proverbs 31. It starts with a, an oracle that is passed down, that's given, it's taught by his, this king's mother. And it says, let's read it, Proverbs 31, 1 through 9. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what, they, what, what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. And I want to touch on that portion of Proverbs 31 first. And we'll go through that because there's, there's an amazing amount of lessons to be learned, not only throughout all of Proverbs, but, but in just Proverbs 31. There are some really good things, some correlations between um, the, uh, the church and, the, and Proverbs and wisdom and, and the king and, 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 uh, and how all this stuff plays out. And I'm going to try and tie it together. Hopefully it won't be too uh, disjointed. That's obviously my goal. I like to just present disjointed messages. No, but, but if I could, hopefully it'll, it'll, it'll stay together and we'll be able to walk out of here with something practical to use for us. Um, so what's cool about this portion here first, there's a lot of history involved in this. As you can see, it says the words of King Lemuel, an oracle, an oracle, something prophetic. There's something there that his mother taught him. This is actually uh, something that, like a, a queen mother. So in, the, in ancient, the ancient world, you know, you have your king. The queen mother, we, we might have the idea that the, the ladies were not seen as valuable. But in this kingdom... The mother of the king is incredibly valuable. And she is doing the training and she's raising up her son. And she's talking to this King Lemuel. What's interesting about this, this passage here is that uh, depending on what scholar or what concordance you read, this King Lemuel, some of them say this is probably Solomon. And this is Bathsheba giving him this. You know, and some might say, well, no, this isn't Solomon. But either way, What's cool about it is this word, this name Lemuel, means for God. It means dedicated to God. You know, so this is a king who should be dedicated to God. 
And so three times his mother says, what are you doing? And I love that. What are you doing, O son? What are you doing, son of my womb? Oh, what are you doing, son of my vows? She's making a statement of how important it is to take a minute and just be aware. And this goes back to what I've taught the last couple weeks. Are you, are you on that righteous path? Are you there? Be careful. Like, what are you doing? Examine yourself and see. What are you doing? And then she goes through and explains and, and talks about the things that you want to avoid. And this really goes back all through, there's a correlation throughout the, this woman folly in Proverbs 9 that we had gone through, right? I, I did more on folly because I know more about it um, than, than wisdom. But, uh, but, the, but this really goes back to that because it, it touches on some very particular things. It says, what are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women. And then it talks about getting involved in strong drink and, and perverting the wisdom. And that, if we go back to um, Proverbs 9, and we look at what that says, it says, the woman folly is loud, she is seductive and knows nothing. She is seductive. She's trying to draw away. So this, this queen mother is saying to the king, Lemuel, remember who you're dedicated to. Examine yourself. Pay attention to stay on the path because, um, because you want to represent uh, the God that you're dedicated to. Um, so, uh, so if we go through that, she sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest place of the town, calling to those who pass by. And it goes through whoever simple, stolen water sweet, bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But then it says this, but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. In Proverbs 20, uh, verse 1, it says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. So she's encouraging him that you need to be wise, you know, and examine yourself. Do not be drawn away to lose sight of what, O king, you have been dedicated to. And so with this, I want to, I I always want to try and take these things without, without massaging the scripture to make it work. But what practical aspect is there for us? You know, the, wherever there is wisdom, there's something for us to get a hold of, right? We're called to be wise. So what do we get from this? And I think that we as the people of God, as the, the church of Christ, we are the representation of our King. We are that representation. We are ambassadors in this world. The world doesn't see Jesus. They don't see him. They don't see our king. You know, we we look in Romans 1 and it talks about, you know, the, the world has no excuse. They can see the glory that was created and all of that. But they don't see Jesus. But it's us that's supposed to represent him. And so we should look like him. And I know I use that terminology a lot. And maybe it's just, um, I can oversimplify things. But for me, like that, that means something. Am I representing him well? Do I look like him in this world? You know, because this is who, this is, this is the, what, what the world has. It's his church. His church is his representative in this world. And so, 
We have to, um, we are his ambassadors. We work his justice. We work his grace. We work his mercy, his love, his character. You know, when, we, when we're saved, when the Lord gives us life, gives us eternal life, this is awesome. It's wonderful. But that's not all that we're called to. We're called to be this representation to the world of our King. It's important. You know, it's important. Like, because a lot of, we can get caught up on, like, um, well, why? Like, I, I don't understand why I have to do all these good things. Why do I have to be, you know, like Jesus, you know? And, and maybe you don't even think about that in, in a, um, maybe it's more subconscious, you know? But there are those questions. You know, I know I've had them. Like, how does this all fit? Like, like if I, well, I'm saved. I'm good, you know? Like, but it's more than that. It's because we represent him. He's our king. He runs this place. And we got to show the world who he is, right? Um, so I think that this, this passage kind of can work with us that way. You know, and it says in verse 5, I have to go back. Verse 5 says this, uh, Lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. We have to remember the word of the Lord. Why? So we don't pervert the truth. You know, we have to be, I mean, I feel like, I feel like we say this all the time. <laughs> so, um, but what else is there to say? Like, we need to be in the word. You know, why do we need to be in the word? Why do we need to know God's word? So that we know what the truth is. And there's a lot of that, there's a lot of value with that for us personally and our own, our own families but also in the culture around us. You know, we were talking on Friday night, and uh, as we were talking, I was just thinking about, and hopefully I can say this well, that uh, the, the world has usurped areas, sort of usurped. I think we've given them over more. It's kind of like a joint, a joint thing there. The church has given over areas, but these but um, so like education and things like that. But there are in those areas, there are vestigial, there are, there are things of the truth that are there, that sound good, that are there enough to draw Christians to think that, well, these are things that we should be fighting for. I'll give you an example, social justice. Who doesn't want that? Who hears that and says, ah, social justice, who wants to, you know, no, we want that, but it's a lie because it's not justice. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a vestigial aspect of the truth that's there. We need to be knowing what the whole truth is so that we can stand and be, no, 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 you don't understand. You got this, but you need all of it. You need all of the truth. So we are, we are representing Christ well that way. Um, and also in verse 8 it says, uh, open your mouth for the, mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. And we need to be able to speak for those who can't and for those who have no hope. We must be about truth even for those who are perishing. For those who are out there are lost. There's, there's a culture. This, this, there's young men and women, especially young men and women, are out there confused, not knowing. Not knowing what, even how to think about what they see in the culture, but they just know that it's confusing. And so they don't know where to go. The church should be that buttress of truth that says, no, no, no. 
Let me articulate for you what you are thinking, but you don't know how to say. Let me say it for you. That's a lie. This is truth. Let me explain that to you. We need to be the ones who bring the peace, right? Like there's disorder. There's, there's confusion out there. God is not a God of confusion. Like we have the truth. We can do that. That's our call. So we represent Christ well. We represent our King well. And uh, it's, it's interesting too, verse 8 and 9. Two times it says, open your mouth. Open your mouth. And so we need to open our mouths. Uh, open your mouth. Judge righteously. Speak up and help the poor and the needy. That's in verse 9. We need to defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And we need to judge righteous judgment. So we judge based on truth and not on appearance or status. And James 1.26-27 says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Pretty much sums up verse 1-9. through You know, what is his mother telling him? Keep yourself unstained from the world and take care of orphans and widows. It's so cool how God's word is just like perfect. Um, So, then where it says also, where it says uh, bridles his tongue, it doesn't mean to not use your tongue, it means to control your tongue. Um, Control your speech and be about truth. You know, think, think hard what what you're saying, and, and is it valuable? Is it to reconciliation? Is it to, to edification? Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Let our words be about that. You know? Too many times we're, we're arguing our own opinions, and we're not about the edification of somebody else, the building up of the brother or the sister. You know, we, we should be about those things. James 2, 8 through 9 says, If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. transgressors. Um, so we have to judge righteous judgment. We can't judge by appearance, right? You know, but we can, um, we have to be wise in our judgment and we have to be aware and bridling our tongue so that we're, we're producing life in who we're talking to. We're building people up. Like, that's good, I think. If the church is doing that, that's a good representation of what Jesus looks like, I think. All right. So let's get into some of the, the, the portion of uh, Proverbs 31 that I would imagine everybody has read for sure. And uh, a lot of people know and maybe have memorized and have cross-stitched on something. It's super common. So uh, verses 10 through 31. What's cool about this portion of, the, of Proverbs is that it's an acrostic poem. So acrostic meaning it's the first line starts with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and then the last line ends with the last verse, ends with the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, or starts with the last letter of the Hebrew, Hebrew alphabet. It's kind of like uh, Psalm uh, uh, 119. Yes, thank you. Oh, I think so. 
Yeah, it's harder to remember things up here for some reason. Um, <clears throat> but it's very cool because it's an acrostic poem. And what that means is it's there to memorize. It's there to really get a hold of. It's there for people to memorize. The fact that the queen mother is giving this to her king's son, it's for him to memorize. So that plays into a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. I feel that this, this passage has been, you know, the stuff that I had read for study. You know, some people are like, oh, we hear this every Mother's Day. And a lot of women are like, it, it, all it does is build into them this like, oh, I can never be good enough kind of thing. But that's not what it's there for. And we'll look at that. But this portion in, in Hebrew is called the Eshet Chavi. Uh, yeah, Eshet Chavi. I, no, it's, I'm not great with Hebrew. I'm not great with English, um, let alone Hebrew. But it means the woman of valor. So that term is important because like, when I read it in my ESV and I read it in the English, you know, rather than the Hebrew, that, the word is um, a woman of honor or a woman of good character or whatever. But this word valor is important. And this word valor, this is used throughout the, uh, the Old Testament. And it's used 88 times for army. Like it's not a just kind of like honor thing. It's more of a military kind of statement. So it's a woman of valor. Some, somebody who's strong, who's able to, um, to uh, just be, be effective. You know, that's one of the definitions. Strong, effective. You know, efficient. Those kind of things. It's a woman of valor. What's cool about it, too, is a little ancient Jewish wisdom. Uh, ancient Jewish wisdom says that this poem was originally Abraham's eulogy to Sarah. It is, and it's prophetic in nature. That it's referring both to Sarah and to special women who will descend from her. So this isn't a list of requirements for um, the, this woman of valor. This is a kind of an honor to those women who have been women of valor. This is an honor. It should be repeated. It should be remembered. But it's kind of a, a neat thing when you think, wow, that goes back. That's a possibility. I mean, that's, that, that Abraham actually wrote this for Sarah and it's been passed on throughout those, those years and has been remembered and remembered and remembered. And it's to honor women. It's to honor these women. Um, this portion also is often sung around the dinner table on Friday nights in the Jewish households. And it's to, um, to honor the woman of the house who has put great effort into making a beautiful Sabbath table and a beautiful meal. You know, so it's not a, like I said, it's not a list of requirements that should make you feel bad. You should look at this and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. These women are valiant. These women are, are honorable. This is good, you know, and uh, they represent the, the king well, um, <clears throat> represent wisdom well. So, and there's no particular order of importance to each of the traits mentioned throughout these verses. These were intended not to be taken as face value, but as a reference to various women in different times in history. So there's a lot of cool history involved in this. There's a lot of depth involved in this. And uh, I'll give you a little example. I was reading, um, I was reading from a rabbi, just trying to, I wish I had a really good rabbi friend who understood the word. 
Because so much of the, the stuff that we read in the Old Testament, it's understood a little bit differently in, in the Jewish culture. And it's good to get that kind of feel from them. And so he was, he was talking about how this, this Eshet Shavi, this woman of valor, um, he was talking about it, and there was this Christian um, who was interviewing a Jewish woman. I don't know who she was, but he was interviewing a Jewish woman, and he asked her, so do you think you're a Proverbs 31 woman? And there was silence. And so this, this rabbi and his wife, he's like, we were probably the only two people in the world who knew why she was silent. It's because they don't understand it that way. They understand it differently. You know, that it's, uh, I'm not trying to be that. This is an honor and an ode to those who have been that. These, these, these women of valor throughout history. You know, so it's just an interesting thing. So, so they understand it completely differently. Um, so there's no important, uh, particular order to it. There's an example of Ruth 3.11. It says, Ruth was uh, called this Eshet, Eshet Chai. Uh, Solomon would have personally known her. I mean, that's his great-great-grandmother. That's pretty cool. But she was called that when she, when she went to uh, uh, and, and uh, laid at the feet of, um, what's his name? Boaz, thank you. I'm thinking Moab. I'm like, no, that's not it. Um, but Boaz. But he calls her that. He says, the townsmen know that you're a woman of valor. You know? So it's, a, it's, just, it's kind of like our our great cloud of witnesses. It's an honor to the women who have been doing these things throughout history. You know, so it's a, it's a good thing. Um, so we gain a lot of understanding uh, by this passage in different ways. So let's go through the passage. We'll, and I want to kind of now see where this practically works for us as the church, because I think there's a, there's, there's a good correlation here. Uh, Proverbs 31, 10 through 11, or 10 through 31. <clears throat> An excellent wife who can find, a woman of valor who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and, uh, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. And I would take a minute just to, uh, just to say, us as husbands, 
you know, we should be saying that. You know, many women have done excellently, but you surpassed them all. You know, if we have a wife that fears the Lord, and she is a woman of valor, we should, we should be praising her. We should be honoring her. You know, we should take that, take that to heart. This is important. Now, men who fear the Lord should be praised also. It's not to take anything away. You know, if we're fearing the Lord, man, that's where it's at. You know, wisdom's the beginning. The fear of the Lord's the beginning of wisdom. You know, and then we're living good lives. Like, we should be really considering that. You know, do you fear the Lord? If you do, if your wife does, <laughs> praise her. You know, it's a good thing. And then learn the Hebrew and sing this to her every uh, Friday. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of women wouldn't want that. Um, <laughs> but uh, okay, so and then so like pro, like the the passage that, the passage that we went through before verses one through nine was a reference to folly. I think this portion here goes right back and references what wisdom looks like. So it's kind of cool because right at the end, whoever put Proverbs together, you know, it wasn't set up in chapters originally. Whoever put it together was wise in putting this at the end because I think it sums up what wisdom looks like. You know, so if we look, and I'm going to just kind of go through these passages. I'm not going to read the passages, but kind of show you where it equates. So in Proverbs 1.28, it talks about... um, being difficult to find, Proverbs 31.10 says, hold on, I can do that. That's not it. Where am I? I'm missing a page. Oh, there it is. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 31.10, it says, an excellent wife who can find. She's more, far more precious than jewels, which is the next one. Proverbs 3, 15, and Proverbs 8, 8, 10 through 11. Wisdom is more valuable than jewels. Proverbs 31, 10. An excellent wife, a woman of valor, is, is more precious than jewels. Proverbs 9, 3 says that wisdom has a staff of women. She said, it says she sends her maidens out to tell everybody about you know, wisdom. Come on in. Come and get wisdom. And the same thing for this uh, woman of valor. It says in uh, 31, 31, 15, it says she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Proverbs 9, 1 through 6 says she hosts meals. You read that in, in 9 where wisdom has prepared the table. She has uh, killed the, uh, the calf. And... Uh, she provides, um, oh, and, thir- and that's in 31.15, sorry. Proverbs 31, I'm sorry, Proverbs 1.33 and Proverbs 8.18, she provides food and security, Proverbs 31.21. It says that uh, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. Proverbs 120, uh, I'm sorry, 8.14, I'm sorry, 121 and 8.3, known at the gates. Proverbs 8, 14, 9 through 1. She's physically strong. These are all representations of wisdom. Proverbs 8, Proverbs 1, Proverbs 8, Proverbs 9. Just as a care for the needy. Not afraid of hard times. She laughs at those hard times. The fear of the Lord, you know, is the beginning of wisdom. And this is a valiant woman who fears the Lord. 
So there's a great culmination, the embodiment of wisdom there. But what I, I want to take the last probably 15 minutes or so to go through is a correlation between the church being the bride of Christ. Are we as the bride of Christ, this eshet, chai? Are we valiant? Are we va- uh, a woman of valor? Are we a wife of valor? Valor, because we are the bride of Christ. So let's go through that a little bit. Um, so the first thing that is said there, it's said in Proverbs thirty-one ten through thirty-one. It says, "An excellent wife who can find; she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life." Christ should have no lack of gain. Are we winning souls for him? Are we bringing people into the kingdom? Are we bringing truth and righteousness? Are we bringing virtue into all the areas that we touch? It all belongs to him. It's our call to affect this world like Saul. I was thinking more about that and how, how like perfectly like that salt and light that Jesus talks about. How the, the salt what salt really does and how it affects what it, what it, what it, whatever it touches, it affects. In every single area of our lives, whether it's vocation, whether it's school, whether it's family, civic duty, those kind of things, we should be looking to affect those areas. Not just, well, we fell into it, and now I'm going to act like Jesus. But no, where can we be involved to affect what's around us, so that again, we can represent truth well, that we can, we can show the world what Jesus looks like. The other thing that, that um, it says there, it says she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. We as the bride of Christ, do we do harm to his name? Do we bear the name Christian in a vain way? Do we represent, or like we're wearing the shirt, you know? We got the tattoo, but I won't. Um, just, never mind. People know me, you know. Um, but, uh, but no, we, we, we represent that. We got the stamp. You know, we belong to him. Are we representing him well? Are we bearing his name in a vain way? Are we wearing it vainly? Do we do harm to his name because of how we maybe treat other people or act in our homes or whatever. What do we do with that? Um, you know, do we act like him as best that we can? Are we honorable in all areas of our lives? Finances, work, marriage, friends, time, hobbies, those kind of things. You know, Everything, everything belongs to him. Every bit of who we are belongs to him. Everything we do belongs to him. Is it all given to him so that we can bear his name well? And we can do no harm to him, no harm to his name. And then it says in 13, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. Do we, as his bride, work with willing hands? Are we the bride of Christ to get? Or are we here so that we can be working with willing hands in his kingdom and building his kingdom. 
building up his church and building up just being involved everywhere? Do we metaphorically sit around watching soaps and eating bonbons all day? You know? And unfortunately, I think that um, there is a lot of that mentality in the Western Christian world, the Western Christian culture. There's a lot of that idea that we come to Christ to get. We come to Christ, yes, and we need, you know, we need what He has. We need eternal life. We need our sins forgiven. But that's just the beginning. What do we bring to the table? Are we bringing willing hands to do the work that He calls us to do? Um, Verse 14 says, She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Are we putting in the effort to search for truth to bring home to our families? Are we taking the time, our quiet time, so that I can be the best that I can be for my family? Am I putting the time in? Are we spending time in private? Are we build a solid foundation? I was thinking about this. We were talking about apologetics on uh, Wednesday night. And uh, one of the, the, I think, one of the main values for apologetics is that as Christians, we can know so that we can build into our families a solid foundation as to why what we believe is true. That is where I think there's an amazing amount of value. So the more we know, the more we can defend our faith, we can, hey, the, the young people in our home, we can build that foundation so that when they stand in the university and they have to face a professor who is, is challenging everything that they've been taught, they don't kowtow to him. They say, well, hold on. I've seen this before. This is why this is truth. You know, so that's our job to do that. Are we doing those kind of things? Um, And this relates to our vocations as well. Are we providing? You know, are we getting ready to provide? You know, if you're married, are you taking care of your family? I mean, I would think so. You know, I'm not suggesting anything. Um, If I look at you, it's just because I'm looking around. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but for real, like, like, are we, if you're not married, are you preparing for that? Are you looking at that saying, I need to be ready for those kind of things to provide for a family that, Lord willing, I'll have one day. In verse uh, 16, it says, she considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. Are we understanding that we have a role to play in this world. Are we making our communities better? She's planting a vineyard. She's buying land and planting a vineyard. Um, that's so, like, she's involved. She's going. She's being part of the community. Or are we shrinking back from our communities because of what the evil that's out there? The church doesn't shrink back. The church has nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Christ. We should be willing to go out there and be involved. You know, um, I think about, you know, the different areas, and we, I mentioned it before, but like even, even like entertainment, you know? Entertainment is so corrupt and so messed up because the church pulled away from it. Like, oh, we can't. We can't watch movies. Oh, we can't. I'm not allowed to dance. What are you talking about? You know, 
Like, like we have to be wise in understanding the truth. That's why like, like really understanding, what does this say? What does this word say to us? You know, and not being caught up on all these little things that just don't matter. What matters is that we cultivate the, the culture around us so that we can be raising Christ up in it so that this world can see who Jesus is so that we can be a light. Jesus says that you don't take a light and put a bushel over top of it. You take it off so that it can shine throughout the whole house. That's what we should be doing. We put bushels on our own light. We put bushels on the church so that people can't see it. We need to be available and in it and doing it and getting involved so that we can make, make have an effect on this world around us. The church is, ah, I get so excited about thinking about who the church is. Who are we? Man, I don't think we get it. I don't think we get it. The Holy Spirit's in us. His word, we have everything we need. Ah. <laughs> we, um, yeah, that we could just, I don't know, hopefully get a hold of that. Maybe I'm nuts, but uh, <clears throat> I don't think so. Only a little, um, but not there. All right. So it says uh, in verse 17, she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. Are we building ourselves up with prayer, fellowship, good doctrine so that we can stand on truth when challenged and we can challenge the lie when we see it? It's kind of what I just said. In 19, it says, she puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. Now this just means that we have to get involved with looms and things like that. Um, so I won't elaborate on that. No, I'm kidding. Um, <clears throat> she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Are we doing the things that help those in need? And the church is busy with those kind of things. I think that's great. Um, but uh, it's, uh, I think there are other areas that we can be involved in that really set up the opportunity for us to do those things, civic things and that. Um, 21 says, she's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. Have we done our best to be sure that our children and household is covered in Christ's blood in our home? You know, as they're covered in scarlet. It's such a great symbol, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> in 22, it says, she makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. And this is what I really just said. Do we understand that we are children of the King? We're the bride of Christ. All the promises are ours in Christ. We are loved by Him, empowered by Him, and we're valuable. He didn't save us to watch soaps and eat bonbons. Whatever bonbons are. Um, <clears throat> 23 says, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Is Jesus known in the gates? Are we involved? What was going on in the gates? That was where the government was. That's what decisions were being made at the gates. Is Jesus known because of the church in that area of our lives? I think that we have a, an amazing civic duty 
to be involved in politics. I know a lot of people <laughs> shy away from even mentioning politics, but it's so important. And I think it's actually the, um, I think it's the, the munchkin at the center of the donut. And then the, where's Joel? There's the outside peripheral aspect of the donut that is, that we are good with, but we forget about the munchkin. What's the munchkin? If we don't get involved politically, we won't be able to do the peripheral things. We will not have the freedom to feed the poor. We won't have the freedom to preach the gospel. We won't have the freedoms that we have if we're not involved with the munchkin. So remember, what's the munchkin? I think it's important. I stole that from Joel. Maybe from John. I might be, it might have been a youth group thing. <clears throat> so good. Um, number 24. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Are we fearfully looking at the future and allowing that fear to stop us from getting involved? Are we anxious about the end? Should the church be anxious about what's coming? We shouldn't, right? But unfortunately, I think, we, I think it stops us. It can stop us. Our worldview on what's going to happen at the end can stop us from pursuing, from going, because we think, well, it's all going to end anyway. That's not what we're called to be. That's definitely not what we should be thinking. It's like, man, let's go. Let's just keep going. Let's go. Let's shine this light. Let's be this salt. So don't let fear or anxiety stop you at all from doing what we're supposed to do. Number 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Are we able to disciple people and teach them all that the Lord has taught us? Now that's digging into the scripture again. 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Let's not be lazy Christians. Are we looking well to the ways of the body of Christ? Are we testing the things that come into the church? Are we watching for wolves with false doctrines? You know, 1 John talks all about that, you know. There's wolves. Watch out for the wolves. You know, he's, he was in a world, you know, where, where there was, were these antichrists that were pre- preaching false doctrine. We have to be aware of those things and be willing to stand against those things. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Do we fear the Lord? And what does our fruit look like? Good fruit, bad fruit, no fruit? You know, um, that's where we should be. We should be focused on. Um, first of all, do we fear the Lord? And then are we acting like a bride that is a bride of valor for the, our Lord Jesus Christ? He's our husband. He's our king. Everything that we are is about that. That is what Christianity is. It's about that. What does the Lord 
What is his purpose for my life? What do I, how am I involved in his kingdom? How do I represent him? And praise God, we have a great eternity where we have eternal life. We're with him forever. We get to be um, like him because we'll see him how he is. So again, I just want to encourage the men to praise their wives. And uh, I'd like to say this also and kind of in closing. If you, you know, in the beginning of this passage, you know, the queen mother is saying, you know, to examine yourself, telling Solomon or King Lemuel, um, what are you doing? You know, so I think that's a good call for anybody in here who doesn't know the Lord. If there's anybody in here who does not have a relationship with Christ, I would just encourage you that this is the most important thing to start that relationship with him and to be his. And uh, if, you, if you're not sure or whatever, just come up afterwards. We'll be glad to talk to you. There'll be people up here. We're going to pray for people. And uh, so, yeah, definitely come up. Get right with the Lord. You know, that's where, you, that's where life begins. Um, and then after we do a, a tune, we'll, um, I'd like to invite people up who, who need prayer again, like we did last week. You know, the elders will be up here. I'd love to have you come up. If you need prayer for anything, just come up. We'll be glad to pray for you. It's what we live for. So, all right. So let's, uh, let's I'm going to pray. Good. All right. All right. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for, uh, for this opportunity to be in your house. And uh, Almighty God, I just pray that we can, as your people, as your bride, represent you well in whatever we're doing. And that we would look to, to do more to represent you, to be involved more, and to, to, uh, to do the things that, that are important. Lord, that we would not be content with just being idle or whatever but that we would see the call that you have on us as your church. I pray, God, that you would, um, yeah, we, we would uh, just be useful for you. We'd bear good fruit for you, that you would be honored and lifted up and praised. And uh, We're just so grateful for what you've done for us and given us life in you, given us hope, given us true, abundant, eternal life. And uh, we're just amazing, Lord. It's amazing what you've done for us. So I just praise you, Father, and I pray for your, uh, for your grace on this body and uh, that we would all grow up to be like you. In the name of Jesus.